roadmap uh, over the next few weeks here. We're going to finish out the month of November in Matthew 6. Today, kind of part one. Next week, part two. This week, uh, what is the cause of worry? Next week, Lord willing, what is the cure to our worry? And then as we come to the first Sunday of December, Advent begins and we will pause from our Matthew study throughout the month of December. Uh, we'll be kind of thinking specifically on Sunday mornings about the aspects of Advent on New Year's Eve. Uh, we'll be in Ephesians chapter 3 uh, together. Um, so that's kind of a, just a brief roadmap for you as you're kind of thinking about the weeks ahead. But this morning, Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to 30, you recall that it has been said that there are two certainties in this life. Death and taxes. If I, though, were to be able to add a third certainty to this life, it would be that of worrying about death and taxes. Worry, as I think we know, it is the common human experience. We share that experience among all peoples in all places across all times, epochs, and eras of human history. There are so many things that consume our thoughts and consume our hearts. So many things regarding which we worry and have anxiety. And look, to be sure, there are many, many, many great concerns to consider. There are many great cares of our lives and of our hearts that consume our thoughts, our finances, our health, our marriages, our children. We worry about things on a kind of a worldwide scale. We worry about government. We worry about economy. We worry about pandemics. We worry about various world wars on a spiritual level. We worry about things like, I worry about what other people think about me, and then I worry about why I'm worrying about what other people think about me. And on and on and on it goes that worry, if we're not careful, it becomes the thing that overruns and that controls our very lives. But why? Why do we worry? What's going on down in the recesses of our souls that causes those worries and anxiety? What is, at its core, at its nature, what is worry? What is that? What is the cause of worry? How do we fix it? Is it even possible, we sometimes ask, is it even possible to be free from worry and crippling anxiety? Is it really possible Is it really possible to cast our cares upon the Lord who cares for us to such a degree that those worries and cares no longer consume our waking thoughts? Well, I think Matthew 6, verses 25 to 30 this morning, verses 31 to 34 next Sunday, they help us in this way. They guide us. They instruct They even correct our hearts. And so my prayer, my aim with this text this morning is to show us from the text, which I think is just so abundantly crystal clear, 
to show us the cause of our worry so that we can begin to fight against our anxieties in a way that honors God and that evidences our complete trust in Him. So let's look to the text together this morning. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 25. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will He not much more clothe you? You of little faith. I don't want you to worry about worry, all right? But I do want us to take a good look here. I want us to be pliable in the Spirit's hands. I want us to, to look deeply into God's Word to get a glimpse as to what God says about worry and how we can begin to trust Him more. And I want us to see together just by way of kind of organizing our thoughts here, I want us to see three problems that worry produces in our lives. Three problems that produce worry. Number one is this. In verse 25, worry is the result of forgetting what is most important. We're kind of thinking through what are the problems that produce worry? We're thinking number one in verse 25 that worry, it's the result of something and it's the result of forgetting what is most important. Look at verse 25 again. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Jesus begins in verse 25, for this reason I say to you. For what reason, we ask, as we seek to understand the text. Well, I think here Jesus is pointing us back to verses 19 to 24, probably most specifically to verse 24. And as your eyes just kind of run back up the text there, you're reminding of yourself of what we've seen in recent weeks, this call to not be consumed with uh, the, the amassing of earthly treasure, but to store up our treasures in heaven. And then last week we saw in verse 24 kind of this reality that we cannot serve two masters. You're going to love one, hate the other, be devoted to one, despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. And so, verse 25, for this reason, because those things previously are true, 
I say to you, do not be worried. Now, it's possible at this point that someone might would be able to maybe object to the teaching of Jesus in verses 19 to 24. And maybe their objection would sound something along the lines of this. But Jesus, I got bills to pay. I have mouths to feed. I have a family to provide for. They, they might add to that objection and say, how can I not be consumed with money and getting it and making sure that I have enough? There's so many financial responsibilities. Inflation is so high. If I'm not consumed with how to get money, earn money, have more money, then how can I meet the demands of feeding my family and taking care of those things that the Lord has given to me. Beloved, Jesus understands that you have needs. Jesus understands that we have financial responsibilities. Jesus also understands that left to ourselves, we will never be able to provide enough. And so He says, verse 25, for this reason I say to you, do not be worried. In the Greek, that is a present imperative right here, right now. It's a command. Do not worry. Worry, I think as we'll see as the text goes along, is not just a bad habit. Worry is not merely some kind of bad thing that we do from time to time. Worry is to violate a clear command of the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't do it. Do not be worried. What what does the word worry, what does that mean? The word worry, it it means to be overcome. It it, it means to be overrun. It, It means to be totally overcome and completely preoccupied it means to be consumed we get our english word worry from an old german word and that old german word means to strangle or or to choke and isn't that what worry does it strangles it chokes it consumes it, 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 it bodes over us. It is impending upon us. And every waking thought just gets chewed up, consumed by that thing or things of which we worry. Worry is the constant consuming. It is the gnawing preoccupation about a thing, about a person, about a circumstance. It's being consumed totally in your thoughts it's those paralyzing agonizing i can't get away from them thoughts it's the replaying on repeat of that particular event that conversation or that problem over and over and over in your mind it is the practice 
of concocting scenarios that don't even exist and that probably never even will exist, but the scenarios that you concoct in your mind so that in the event that it does happen, I'll have an answer for that and I'll know what to do in that moment. Worry. What it's doing in us, as we'll I think see in the text, is that it's choking out a trust in God. And as a result of that, prayer and dependence dies and a false dependence upon self takes its place. Verse 25, look again. What are we told to not worry about? Don't worry about your life as to what you will eat or drink or or for your body as to what you will put on. Clearly, Jesus is talking about here not being worried in regards to our needs. The things that would sustain our lives. Food, drink, and clothing. Life's basic necessities. And once again, Jesus recognizes that we have needs. Remember, Jesus was fully human. Jesus came in human flesh. Jesus understood what it was to need food and water and clothing and the basic necessities of life. Jesus is not telling us here to not work. He's not telling us here to not plan. He's not telling us here to not save. He's telling us not to do what? He's telling us not to worry in the midst of our working, in the midst of our planning, and in the midst of our saving. And look at the end of verse 25. Why are we told not to worry about these things? Is not life, he asks, is not your life more than food? And is your body not more than clothing? Look, these are important things. Jesus is not diminishing. We would not diminish the importance of these things that sustain our lives. But beloved, our lives are more important than these things. John Stott said this, an exclusive preoccupation with food, drink, and clothing could be justified only if physical survival were the be-all and end-all of existence. But beloved, physical survival is not the be-all, end-all of existence. This life is not all there is. This life does not go into eternity. There is more to this life. There is life beyond this life. We are eternal creatures. We are eternal creatures made for eternity. And when we worry and are consumed with worry and anxiety about temporal earthly things, we're forgetting what? We're forgetting what's most important. Listen, plan, save, work, buy, provide. But in the midst of that, keep an eye to eternity. And do not think that the sum total of your life 
He's having enough food, water, and clothing. How many people worry themselves with the temporary while giving no thought to the weightier, more important, eternal things? Beloved, Jesus knows that you have needs. And those needs are important needs. But Jesus knows better than anyone that life is more than food. It's more than clothing. Friends, if you're here this morning and you're just so consumed and eaten up with and anxious and worried about temporal, earthly, fleeting, passing, momentary things, then can I ask you to stop today? Just for a moment. To stop considering those things and to consider eternal things. To not only be worried and consumed by this physical body, which, listen, care for it, but one day it is going to give out and eternity will come near. Do not be so worried and consumed with temporal things that you forget the eternal things. And it must be said that if you are here not knowing the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, listen, you can, you can live till you're a hundred. But one day your body's still going to give out or the Lord is going to return. And then I promise you, In that moment, the temporary worries of this life, you're going to forget all about them. Do you know Christ? Who as we'll see, will provide for you what you need. And do you consider Christ who is the only one that can save your eternal soul? You must know Him. You must turn from your sins today. You must turn from your striving, your very best, and you must come to Christ. Do that today before it is eternally too late. Secondly, secondly, here in the text, another problem that produces worry is this. Worry is the result of forgetting the care of your heavenly Father. Worry is the result of forgetting the care of your heavenly Father. Verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet, your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? In verses 26 to 29, Jesus is going to use two illustrations to show us how our heavenly Father takes care of and provides for us. And the first illustration is here in verse 26, the birds of the air. And notice what Jesus says here. Look. Look at the birds of the air. Unless you are an avid bird watcher, Nobody ever pays attention to the birds. We just don't. Uh, unless you've, uh, again, you, if, you're a, if you're a bird watcher, um, you could probably teach us some things on this. 
If you feed them, if you watch them, if you can identify them, if you know what they're like, you, you could probably help. But listen, here's just the reality. Most people in the room aren't watching birds. You're just not. But Jesus here calls us to do what? Hey, stop what you're doing. Maybe slow down for a minute and look at the birds of the air. Consider them. Don't just notice that they're just kind of passing by, but stop and look at the birds of the air. And when He calls us to look at the birds of the air, He calls us to notice some things about them. Look at them that they, what? They do not sow. They don't put on their overalls in the morning and go out and plant the fields. And when it's harvest time, they don't go out there and reap a harvest. And they don't take that harvest and store it into barns for future safekeeping like people do. Yet, what happens to those birds in verse 26? Your Heavenly Father. And notice what He does not say. He doesn't say their Heavenly Father. He says your Heavenly Father feeds the birds. God, in His great wisdom, feeds the birds. God has created them. He has created their food. He has made it readily available to them. God has created birds in such a way that they know what their food is, they know where their food is, and they know how to get their food. God, in His sovereign creative wisdom, has created birds in that way to make sure that they get fed every single day. Look at the end of verse 26. Are you not worth much more than they? It's an argument from the lesser to the greater. Think about the birds, the way that they get fed. It's almost like Jesus, He's outside, He's on this hillside. Birds might be flying around. He might just be pointing to them as they're kind of flitting about. And then He gathers everybody's attention back to Him and says, hey, can you just think about this with me for a moment? You're worth more than the birds. Because you, you and I, people, humanity, are made in God's image, whereas birds, animals, are not. You recall in Genesis 1.26, let us make man, mankind, people, humanity, in our image, the triune Godhead is saying. And this is distinct, different, other than all other creation. God's fingerprint, God's image is upon you, dear friends, not the birds of the air, nor the animals of the field. And so as a result of being made in the image of God, there is an eternal value, weight, and worth upon your life that the animals and the birds of the air do not have. Look, just a couple pages over. Matthew chapter 10. Matthew 10, verse 29. Jesus teaching a very similar topic matter in Matthew 10, verse 29. 
He's calling the people to, to not fear man, but to fear God. Verse 29, are not two sparrows sold for a cent? And yet, not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your Father. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So do not fear. You are more valuable than many sparrows. Friend, you bear God's image. And that's a massive conversation about what that is and what that looks like in you. But you bear God's image. Therefore, you are worth more than the birds. Furthermore, if you are in Christ this morning, if you have trusted Christ, if you are a Christian, you are God's chosen precious child and chosen precious children are always worth more than the birds. Is God... Not our good, heavenly Father in verse 26? If so, then do not worry. Do not worry because worry is forgetting the care of your heavenly Father. And what have we said already from Psalm 118 and verse 1 about God? He's good and His steadfast love endures forever. Now, listen, we're still called to work, okay? Some would maybe use this as a call to idleness. It's not a call to sit and do nothing. I mean, the birds still work, right? They're still getting up, early bird, worm, you know, you know the whole bit. So they're still, they're out, they're, they're working. But I'll tell you what they're not doing. They're not worrying. Where's my next worm going to come from? Am I going to have enough to feed all the open mouths back at the nest? It is just intrinsic in them that they know what the food is, where to get it, and there is always enough. You're worth more than the birds. Do not worry. Look in verse 27. Who of you, who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? Worry is just pointless, guys. It is a pointless, fruitless exercise. You can worry. You can uh, you know, replay that, those scenarios in your mind and you can have the very best answers. And you can have the very best solutions. And you know what is profiting you? Nothing. You and I cannot worry enough to add even a single hour to our lives. Worry can paralyze our lives, but it can never lengthen our lives. Here's why. Because before you were even born, God in His sovereignty had fixed the number of your days. And there is not a single thing that you or I can do to change that. Psalm 139, verse 16, David speaking to God, your eyes have seen my unformed substance. And in your book, they were all written the days that were ordained for me. When as yet, there was not one of them. Before we breathed the air, the oxygen of life, the number of our days was ordained. And there is not a single thing that we can do to alter that reality. 
and worry then about stuff and provision, lengthening of life, and all those things, it accomplishes nothing. He gives a second example, verses 28 and 29. And why are you worried about clothing? Observe. It's the same idea. Observe the lilies of the field or how they grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. Second illustration. Hey, here's how we know that God loves us and cares for us and is going to provide for us. Look at the grass of the field, the lilies, the flowers of the field. Driving down the road, maybe lickety-split, just kind of eyes are in front. Jesus is saying, hey, like, let's ease off the gas pedal a little bit. Let's look around some. You're out, just kind of out in the yard, maybe you're on a walk. Look around. Consider, look at, stare at, gaze, think about the flowers. Jesus says, what about them in verse 28? They don't get up in the morning and uh, go to the loom and spin. And, and they don't, you know, they don't work to make themselves beautiful. They are ordained with beauty by their Creator. To such a degree that he says in verse 29, Solomon, remember that guy? Richest, wisest? Queen of Sheba shows up and says, we heard, uh, we heard some, some, some rumors about you, but uh, that the half has not been told. Of your beauty, of your riches, of your splendor, of your majesty. Jesus says in verse 29 about Solomon, he cannot compare to the beauty of the lilies of the field. And they do nothing to beautify themselves. To clothe themselves. So, why are we worried? We worry because we forget the care of our Heavenly Father. We forget what He says to be true about Himself and us. That we are worth more. That we are His image bearers. That as Christians, we are His precious children and bride. And when we forget that, we will worry. Charles Spurgeon said, Lovely lilies, how you rebuke our foolish nervousness calling us to look at the birds, to look at the lilies, and to not forget the care of your Heavenly Father. And then thirdly, thirdly, verse 30, third problem that produces worry is this, that worry is the result of doubting God. Uh, these have been sort of escalating in uh, weight, if you will. And, and, and now we come in verse 30 to the most weighty of all the reasons we should not worry. It's because in verse 30 that worry is the result of doubting God. Read it with me again. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, and notice what He says here, 
about the grass of the field. You know how this works. It's alive today, but then let some dry weeks go by and it's dead. Or maybe those sensitive grasses or flowers that will spring up and then as soon as the heat and the dry comes, they just immediately kind of wilt away and die. They get kind of mown over, collected, thrown into the furnace where they're just extinguished. If, again, the arguments from the lesser to the greater, if God clothes the grass of the field which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will He not much more clothe you? You of little faith. This entire section, verses 25 to 30, has been building to this verse I think in particular to that phrase, that sentence, you of little faith. When when we doubt the care of God, we will worry. In, In fact, that is the fruit of doubting God. It's the fruit of not trusting God. Worry is misplaced trust. Worry is misplaced trust. Worry and anxiety flood your thoughts, consumes your life, because in that moment, There is little faith. Little faith in God and way too much faith and trust in self. Now, please notice what Jesus says and and again does not say. He does not say you have no faith. And I'm so thankful for this, right? Because again, we all worry. We all have anxieties from time to time. If we say we don't, we're just not being truthful and honest. So we do have those worries and anxieties even as Christians. I'm so thankful that Jesus is not writing us off here. He's not rebuking us and saying, if you have some worry or anxiety, you're not my child. But He does remind us that in the moments of worry and anxiety, that is what? In the verse 30, it's Little faith. Worry is doubting that your heavenly Father, it's doubting that He loves you. It's doubting in that moment that God cares about you. It's doubting that He is able to provide for you and it is acting then like it all depends on you. On me. Our worry is calling God into question. It's calling His character into question. It's calling His past faithfulness in our lives into question. It's saying to God, though it may never proceed from our lips, it's saying to God, God, I know that You are good. I know that You have been faithful in the past. But God, I just don't think You're going to be good and faithful anymore. 
One commentator has said this, that worry is practical atheism. It's just practically, in that moment, it's just practically saying, God's not here. And He's certainly not good. And He's certainly not going to provide. It's acting like He doesn't exist and that no one is going to take care of me except for me. It's little faith. Listen, hear this. Romans chapter 8 and verse 32. Follow Paul's logic. Follow it with me. He, God, He who did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how will He not also with Him freely give us all things? And I take all things to mean everything from salvation down to the food on my plate. If God gave us, delivered up His Son, He didn't spare Him. He didn't keep Him to Himself. He didn't hold Him back from us. If God freely gives Jesus to us, how then could we possibly think or say that God, that same God, will not freely give us all things? Worry is the result just doubting God, His character, His past faithfulness. Beloved, if God spoke the world into existence and upholds it by the word of His power, if God delivered His people from Egypt, walked them across a dry ocean, gave them water from a rock, fed them with bread from heaven, and caused for 40 years in the wilderness their sandals to not wear out. If God became a man in Christ Jesus, if Christ Jesus lived, died, and rose again, if God awakened your spiritually dead, lifeless soul, and if He saved you by His marvelous, sovereign mercy and grace, if all of that's true, then what? Do not worry. Don't. You don't have to. There's no reason to worry. God can and will feed you. He can and He will clothe you. He will take care of you. He will sustain your life. He will see you safely home. Do not worry. What reason? What reason has God ever given you to worry? What reason has God ever given you to doubt Him? To not trust Him? Listen, if God's given you a reason to worry, by all means, worry away. Stay up all night long, fretting, pacing, planning, worrying. If God has proven to be unfaithful, then stay up all week, forget Thanksgiving, there's no reason to even be thankful, and worry away. But if God has never given us a reason to doubt Him, then do not worry. 
if God is good, and if God's steadfast love endures forever, rest in peaceful trust and do not worry. Let your thoughts now be consumed with God. Who He is. What He's like. How He deals with us, His children. Here's the last thing I'll say. Here, the beginning of this Thanksgiving week, worry, it kills Thanksgiving. Worry chokes out Thanksgiving. Worry kills Thanksgiving because you've become so consumed with what you don't have that you cease giving thanks for what you do have. It chokes out Thanksgiving because you become so consumed with self and that it all depends on me that you forget God from whom all blessings flow. Listen, I know that so much of this is easier said than done. I know that. I know that so often we know what's true. We believe by faith what is true. And then some life happens. And we begin to think and we are concerned and we pray through it but we can't get past it. And it begins to gnaw and consume and overwhelm and now we're losing sleep. And though not meaning to, in our hearts, calling God into question. So, weary saints, I'm I'm with you. I am the king of imagined scenarios in my head. Trust me. But there's no reason for that. Because God is good. He's your heavenly Father. He loves you. He has already provided for you. He's going to keep providing for you. He is bound by covenant faithfulness and promise to provide for your every need. That's part of what it means to be God. So then, would you trust Him? Trust Him. Trust Him and watch peace like a river consume you. Trust Him and find depths of thankfulness that you never knew existed. Trust Him. Do not worry. Let's pray together. God, we confess uh, not worrying is hard. And God, apart from Your Spirit within us, it's impossible. So God, remind us this morning. Father, remind us of what's true. God, I pray that the circumstances that right now today people are worried about, God, that those circumstances, though... God, the reality is they probably don't magically disappear. God, I pray that those circumstances would pale in comparison to Your greatness and Your faithfulness in our lives. 
God, be a help to weary warriors. God, we are all falling into that camp at some point in our lives. God, give us help. Draw near. Come to us, O God. We confess our need for You. We confess our worry and anxious thoughts. We confess that we don't trust You often as we should. So God, give us grace to trust You more. We ask, pray it, because of and through Christ our Lord. Amen. Let's stand, church family.